Praise God. So my name is John Reed. I am so blessed to be one of the elders here at Cornerstone and just see what God is doing among this body. And so thankful to be here with all of you today where we're going to continue uh, talking through Matthew. So we're going to be in Matthew 13, starting in verse, verse 1, going to 23. And uh, we're going to talk about a few things. So we're going to revisit some of what Christian spoke on a couple of weeks ago and dive into that a little bit more about what Jesus is here and doing here in this transition to speaking in parables. And we're also going to hopefully, prayerfully, all understand more about the parable of the sower where God's word is walking through the different conditions of our heart and how we receive God's word. And how that can result and should result in what God expects from us is spiritual fruit within the kingdom of God from us. So I'm going to pray here and also going to invite up Carrie Reed, who is um, our office manager here at Cornerstone, also known as my much better half. And uh, she's going to... All right, I'm in trouble. Uh, she's going to uh, read through the passage for us and... Uh, and we're going to take time just to listen to God's word. But let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. Thank you, God, for uh, what you're doing in this body and just your sovereignty and your grace and your mercy and all the many things you do to prepare for this time, to worship you. I, I pray, God, that we come before you with open hearts, with ears to listen, Lord. And uh, thank you, God, for just how you work in our lives. Um, I pray that we understand more about your truth today, that we know you more, and we can see how we can uh, become more like you, Lord, because of your work in us through the work of your Holy Spirit, God. Thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you gave to us, Lord. We praise you. We love you prayerfully with our lives, Lord. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Matthew 13. 1 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and the great crowds gathered around him. So he got into the boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak in the, to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will, ha he will have an abundance. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest should they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, 
and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Thank you. Praise God. Let's see, is this working? Can you guys hear me here? Nope. That's a big no. All right. So um, we're going we're gonna to walk through this passage a little bit. We're going to talk through these, this transition to parables and specifically what's called here the parables of the kingdom. Is that better? Okay, working through this. And we'll see that the, these parables have one main theme, the kingdom of God. And also from the very first verse in Matthew, we saw that Jesus is pointed out as the son of David, Israel's great king. So it's important that we think through what God is doing here and we, we look at what he's doing through parables. And it's also important that uh, we see this a little bit more in verses 10 to 17 in our actual passage. But I love what one author said about it. One author said that parables are an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. They draw you in, they give you something that you can pass on to others, and they grasp your heart, sowing a, a seed, so to speak, of truth in your life. And they also present an opportunity for truth to be personally discoverable if you're willing to listen. So we will see that Jesus gives us ears to hear, and I pray that we can think through, as believers, do we have ears to hear God's word in every situation in our lives? So in this case, it's not just uh, internalizing a principle, but it's eternalizing a spiritual truth from God's word in our lives. And as we dive in a bit here, let's, let's think about who we're talking to, who Jesus is talking to more specifically. He's talking to the people of Galilee. So these are our farming families and craftsmen and fishermen. And it made me think of, of my family. Um, I have my parents and most of my family are all from the same small town in North Carolina. And I thought through um, how there are farmers there and pastors and lots of party people. But um, I was thinking through their, their life and what their life would be like in that work. And Jesus was hit, hitting these people right where they were at. I mean, speaking to them in a way that would have meaning and application in their lives, a way that they would clearly understand God's truth. So we'll see that more and more here through our passage. So let's look a little closer at Matthew 13. We're going to go first to verses 1 to 3 where God's word says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered about him. So he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow. So really cool, I mean, we have the incarnate son of God, fully God, fully man, who gets in a boat and goes out on a lake and tells a story about farming. 
And I, I thought about this scene and I would love to talk more about it. It's really cool how sound waves refract differently over water and how clear the sound could have been and just what God was doing in that moment. But so Jesus sets up the perfect amphitheater and he starts talking about God's truth. And specifically, he's going to talk about the sower who is casting seeds across different types of soils. And what's that is related to, we know that God's word is the seed from Luke 8, 18. And the different types of soils represent the four conditions of the heart in rejecting or receiving God's message. And we'll get to see Jesus' own interpretation, his own commentary in this. And I thought maybe that's why the elders had, us te had me teach through this. But um, praise God that I can't get too far off track as we're reading through our passage today and thinking through this. But um, we see in verse 3, a sower went out to sow. So a sower is scattering seed, as I said, across different kinds of soil. And the sower is not, I believe we'll see, not the main point in this passage, but never irrelevant, as God calls us to be faithful sowers. But also God in his sovereignty, he is in absolute control as we're casting out seeds of his truth. And we see this in John 15 when we read the words of Jesus or in John 15, 1 to 2, God's word says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And the NET I like, because it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. So God, as the divine gardener who is looking for and pruning for spiritual fruit in our lives, makes me think, makes... I think it's really critical we understand this fruit he's looking for, right? So what is this fruit we're talking about? If you remember in Matthew 7, we spoke about good fruit, bad fruit. Do you all remember that? Praise God. And in Matthew 7, 17 to 18, God's word says, So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So what is this good fruit we're looking for? In Proverbs 11, verse 30, I believe it is, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So what is this fruit? We want to make sure we understand this because our relationship with Jesus isn't just about staying out of hell. It's about, we see from John and we see now from Jesus that he is expecting spiritual fruit in our lives. So it's really important that we understand this. And I think through how Jesus works in our own life and we see the spiritual fruit that God's word talks about in Galatians 5. So we're going to look at that. Galatians 5, 22 to 23, the fruit of the spirit that can be in us, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that when we see that work in our life, that is truly God working in us and through us, that that's not anything of this world, that that's his spiritual fruit as we seek him and desire to be more like his son, Jesus. And that heart transformation will allow us to see the good fruit as we bring God glory. It's another way we see fruit in our lives. As we proclaim his truth, God can use us in that way. And as we become more like Jesus, that is only possible because God uses us as faithful sowers in the kingdom of God. Praise God. So as we continue here in Matthew, we see the first soil type described in verse 4. It said, And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. So this is the unresponsive hearer of God's word. One author I love pointed out that this is like a, a beautiful musical symphony being played in front of a statue. And the context here is that 
the lines between the crop here would be just beaten down over time, just a, a pathway that wasn't till, wasn't plowed, and just the, the traffic, the foot traffic would cause it to be hard as pavement. And it's much like, I believe, our own lives where we can become insensitive to the sins of this world, the sins in our own heart. And we have to think, are we responding to God's word? Do we have ears to hear his truth? And Jesus gives us more insight here. When anyone hears, in, in verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So God's word gets devoured by the God of this world and takes the good seed away. I, I love the explanation, too, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 3. Describes it there as the gospel being veiled only to those who are perishing. And continuing in verse 4, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the evil one of this world can also mislead us, but uh, it really, truly, our hearts are capable of deceitfulness and lies that can, that can really lead to us not seeing God's saving grace in our lives. This is really a heart problem more than anything. And we can also see another reason that sometimes hearts just aren't ready to listen. There's no preparation for the soil. There's no work going on in their lives. You, you just, again, that, that symphony and no response, motionless, nothing before God's truth. But there is hope, right? We have hope that God can work in any situation. I've seen it in lives, maybe you've seen it in your own life and other, li other people's lives where God uses maybe a significant life event for us to understand that we just can't do it anymore, that we need God, our dependency on him. Or maybe God can use us, right? God can use us in any situation. We're encouraged by Hebrews verse, chapter 3, verse 13. But exhort one another every day that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So God can use us, and we can see others in their lives, the convictions to increase and their love for sin to decrease as they turn towards Jesus. And what a blessing that is when God can use us, that he can use us to help others see through the lies of the evil one, that God can use us in his church and the living revelations of his word. He's more than capable of changing the most hardened of hearts. Praise God. So we see the second soil type described in verse 5 and 6, and God's word here says, Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. So the crowd Jesus was talking to here would understand this because under the, the surface in this area of Galilee, there were these limestone rock beds. And so they were used to seeing sometimes green blades sprout up, but then they would just wither away like they never existed at all. And the context here, the message here in God's word is that you might see a sudden reaction, joy and expression that really is a, an apparent conversion, but not really a conversion at all because there's no sincerity. There's no genuine nature to this heart change. And this here is referred to as the shallow heart. And I want to be say though, I want to say, be sure and say, 
that a sudden conversion to faith is possible. I mean, we saw this in the life of Paul in Acts 9, right? Where on the road to Damascus, sees Jesus, meets Jesus. Three days later, he's baptized. He's teaching in the synagogues. We see amazing fruit come out of his life. Absolute sincerity and genuine heart change. So please don't discount a sudden conversion to faith. It really, it's completely possible with our God. I mean, it, it can be absolutely true and unexpected, but it's totally capable. We know God is so capable. But we see more from, from Jesus on this, this heart condition of the shallow heart in verse 20 and 21, where he says, for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when the tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So there's expression of hearing or even understanding, like I said, but there's no true heart change. And we know that Jesus is always concerned with our hearts. Jesus ministers to the heart. And this type of hearer can easily fall away because there's no conviction to share more, to grow more, to know more. And I, I believe there's many times not really an understanding of the sin in our lives or a really a an understanding of the brokenness that we can have before the Lord. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. As I was preparing, I, I read it, and I just I really wanted to share it with you all. He says here, You who have broken hearts because of sin can give joy to Christ when unbroken hearts do not. Bruised and crushed sinners glorify their great physician who sets their broken bones and binds up their wounds. Poor bankrupt sinners who do not have a rag left to put on their backs, cannot help glorifying Jesus for paying all their debts and clothing them with the spotless robe of righteousness, which he had prepared for them. But if any of you think that you do not owe him much, I fear that that thought comes to you because you do not have much depth of soil and that you may be like the converts who quickly wither away in the sun of tribulation or persecution. Wow. It's not always a lack of courage or character, but many times it can be a lack of um, endurance in the midst of the adversity and the persecution in this world that we see. And it, it's seen in this shallow heart that when, when things get hot, when things get difficult, our apparent testimony just withers away. And I thought about this in our own lives as believers as well, as disciples of Jesus, do we have ears to hear when the going gets tough? It's critical, right? Because in Mark 13, 13, we, we read, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And if we go back to Hebrews 3, where the writer encouraged us to exhort one another, but it moves on to say, hold our original confidence to the end. Sincerity can be a wonderful sign of genuine heart change. And endurance in the faith is critical among the temptations and distractions in this world. And it's something we can celebrate. We can celebrate that because it can only be explained by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not of this world. When we see the fruits of his spirit in our lives and we see genuine heart change, we can praise God because it's only possible through him. So we see the third soil type described in verse 7 here. It says, other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. 
So this soil type represents the, the here referred to more as the strangled heart, a heart that is concerned with the riches and the mess of stuff and materialism in this world. And I, I really, I love the further explanation in Hebrews 12:1 that says, we can struggle with this sin that clings to us in this world. And I really like the NIV here because it says the things that hinder us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Because the original meaning of the language there is uh, hindering us and holding on to us from every direction. I think that really gives us a good idea of what it's really like in this world. It can be a slow, gradual process too that we, we, cannot, we can see over time. We can be seeing great soil and wonderful growth in our lives and maybe just a little weed, just a sin or two. And that grows up to where we can no longer see that testimony. That apparent growth just can wither away because it can no longer survive. And I was praying about this as well as followers of Jesus. Are we seeking God's guidance when it comes to our continued struggle with sin? Are we listening to our brothers and sisters in Christ when they are discerning the sins in our life and, and confronting us in a loving and gentle way? But are we listening to that? Are we hearing God's truth? Do we have ears to hear in those circumstances? It reminded me of also my first house. So I um, got my first house and I, I wanted that green grass, you know? And I remember my dad coming over and he said, you know, it's, it's not really grass, John. It's more like crabgrass and weeds. And I was like, but it's so green though, man. I just, I was excited about it. So I thought, you know what I'll do is I'll put uh, this fertilizer that, that kind of allows grass to grow and it kills off the weeds and it just smoked the entire lawn. So it was, I had to see that brown dead grass three days later to understand the wisdom of my dad. and his mad landscaping skills, I guess. So I come to find out. But um, I think about that and like my green lawn that was really just weeds and crabgrass, it really was. It's really hard to see it when the thorns that are referred to in this verse feel so good and look good. And they're even encouraged by those in this world. In verse 22, Jesus explains this more. He says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word but the cares and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful, hence the strangled heart. So Jesus specifically calls out the deceitfulness of riches that choke the word. And we'll see later in the year, we're going to get into the, the uh, passage in Matthew 19, where it's uh, talking about the rich young man. And I, I wanted to go to it here, because I think it paints an important picture. In verse 21 of Matthew 19, it says, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. So what's happening here in Matthew 19? So I wanted to go there because what's happening is this young man, he comes up to Jesus and he says, I'm, I'm keeping all your commandments. What do I need for eternal life? And Jesus gave an answer he didn't like. You know, he basically said, give all your stuff away and you'll be right where God wants you in this season of life. And notice in, in the passage in Matthew, it does not say that rich people can't enter the kingdom of heaven, but there's definitely additional, war, uh, additional thorns and seeds, excuse me, sins that spiritually entangle. I've got this fly that is just crazy up here. One fly, it's always just one, right? 
But just like the crabgrass that, that fooled me in my, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, my venture into landscaping sciences, I don't know. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. An unhealthy focus on money and stuff and materialism can happen with one decision at a time. And over time, we see ourselves conforming to the world and not moving to be more Christ-like, not understanding more about Jesus in our life. But God's word speaks to us in this. It's really clear in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. God's word says, set our minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on this earth. Very clear. Set our minds on the things that are above. Set our minds on Jesus, on his truth, his living revelation in our lives, not on the things of this world. Really clear. And really important. I mean, in Southern California, I don't know if we always think about this, but we live in one of the richest communities in all the world. Do you know that if California was a country, it would be the fifth richest economy in the world? Just under India and above Germany. And uh, it was funny, I was talking to my wife about this and she guessed it, number five. I was like, wow, my wife could project manage our state for sure. <laughs> it's not just a pretty face, you know? All right, I'm gonna stop. Um, <laughs> But we have to remember that, I mean, God does give us gifts and provisions, and what a blessing, and we can use those things to his glory. But we have to remember that the things of this world are temporary when we consider eternal, eternal promises with God. As we continue here in Matthew 19, it's, Jesus says a pretty shocking message, and we'll see the, the uh, question from the disciples, but he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Maybe you've heard that, but have you ever really thought about what Jesus was saying there? His disciples did. They came to him and asked and said, so then who can be saved, Jesus? And Jesus comes back with verse 26. He said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So even among the distractions of, and the chaos of temptation in this world, to the creator of the universe, God, is more than capable of changing any heart through his son, Jesus. He is the only one that can rescue us from the emptiness of sin and the distraction of riches and materialism in this world into the hands and the refuge of the arms of God our Father. Praise God. We see the fourth soil type described here in verses 8 and 9. It says, Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. And then we can go right to the wisdom from Jesus about this condition, the receptive heart in verse 23. He says, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case 100-fold, another 60, and another 30. So this, this represents the open and receptive heart. We have heard what, what people do to respond wrongly to God's word. Jesus has described that. But this is what he is, he's expecting in our lives. He is expecting and desiring fruit to come out of our lives to his glory. And there are definitely other things to consider here. We can see in God's word in this, this parable of the sower that every time that we evangelize or preach or share God's truth, we're not going to see gospel fruit. That's really clear. I don't know if it's exactly 25% of the time, but it, not all the time. We also see that it's not a matter of how much fruit or the type of fruit that come, is coming out of our lives. The important part is that we, there's a presence of fruit in our lives as believers. 
And all these points are really significant, but we want to, as Todd always says, we want to keep the main thing the main thing, right? The main thing here is that the open and receptive heart receives the truth about Jesus, believes it, knows it in their heart to be true, and they are saved and they produce spiritual fruit in the kingdom of God. God can use us, praise God. And verse 90 continues, he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus is making it clear here that there are those who are given ears to hear. This, this parable here is recorded in Mark 4 and also in, in Luke 8. As I said, he points out that the seed is the word of God in Luke 8, 18. But it seems to be the focus here in Matthew is to hear God's word and to do that with a heartfelt understanding. And uh, it was interesting during this time, I dealt with, uh, as I was preparing, I dealt with a severe ear infection and I still can't quite hear out of this ear. It's like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, that wah, 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 wah. I, uh, it sounds weird up here a little bit too, but um, God used it. You know, I, I prayed constantly as I dealt with this, and I really honestly couldn't hear what some people were saying. It wasn't the uh, selective hearing that my wife tells me about, but it was more, actually, I couldn't hear people and understand them. And I thought about that, and I prayed constantly as God reminded me that I, God, I pray that I have an open heart to your word in the different situations in my life always. I pray that we can all have ears to hear God's word spoken to our lives. I constantly prayed for that, so I was thankful, even amidst that, but I don't know if my ear is going to get totally better, but I am thankful. So we're going to read further here in Matthew 13. In verse 10, God's word says, then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak in parables? And he answered them, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, you know, why, why are you teaching them in parables? Like, I don't know their exact heart behind that, but... Like, you know, why, why in parables? And Jesus shares two great truths in God's word here. Two great promises. One, that God, if you come to God empty and broken, desiring him, he is going to pour out his grace and love and truth. And two, that if you are already saved, if you already have a relationship with the Lord, it is his character to pour out more and more grace in our lives, praise God that he simply gives undeserved gifts to those who desire him and more gifts to those who are already saved. So if you're totally empty, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, we would love to talk to you about this today. Come to the prayer room after as well, pastors and elders and men and women in our church who can pray for you, would love to pray for you and talk to you about this. Because the only thing you need to do is consider turning Trusting in Jesus and following your Lord and Savior, that's all you need to worry about in this. The gospel of Jesus is a story of mercy and love, and no matter where we are at or where we are going, this perfect gift is for us from God because of what he is doing and has done through his son Jesus. This is truly, it's a matter of eternal life and death. I just pray that we can have ears to hear it those who already know the Lord and those who don't know the Lord, has Jesus given you ears to hear? So reading in Matthew 13, starting in 14 here, indeed in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand. 
and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So Jesus quotes from Isaiah 6 here and speaks again on what Krishna had mentioned a couple of weeks ago and introduced this turning point in teaching in parables. And we receive from God here that through parables is made more plain and straightforward to those who are willing to be taught, but while at the same time, more difficult to hear and even though obscure to those who are willingly or intentionally arrogant or ignorant, just as it was during the time of Isaiah. And this same quote is shared in John 12, and I, I think it paints a little bit more of a picture there too in John 12 in verse 37 before Isaiah 6 is quoted. So it says, that though he had done many, so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. And later on that passage, after Isaiah 6 is quoted, in verse 42, they denied him out of fear of the Pharisees. And in verse 43 of John 12, they love the glory that comes from man more than they love the glory that comes from God. So Jesus taught in the parables here that there are some that we'll see are going to persist in their unbelief and others that are just left in their spiritual blindness before the Lord. And we see another shift here. We see another shift in the, in the book of Matthew where he's speaking directly to his disciples among the multitudes. And we'll see that some of these next parables are among the multitudes. But he's speaking directly to his spiritual family here. They're the ones that are carrying out God's will in, in their lives. They're the ones that are hearing his word and trying to grow and understand it and how to apply it to their lives. And it's the same for us today. We're going to see in our life, or we have seen, those who are going to reject God's truth, even if they do understand it. They're just going to deny it and walk away. Or they're going to be those that just don't care to understand. But praise God that what we see in John 16 it's the spirit who guides us into all truth. And the message today is that there are those that are given the gift of spiritual discernment to understand the things of the spirit. Those things are made clear to us, clear to them, clear to those who really devote their lives to Jesus and have genuine heart change and sincerity before the Lord. What a blessing if we're seeing the fruits of the spirit in our life. What a blessing if we're courageous in sharing his truth, even if it means we have to sacrifice even if it's uncomfortable, even if we don't really want to do it in that moment. Praise God that we feel spurred that God is doing that in our lives because that is the work of the Holy Spirit. We're encouraged by Hebrews 10, 23 with this verse. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope for he who promised is faithful. Praise God. So what if we don't see gospel fruit in our lives? What do we do? The answer we also see in God's word in John chapter 15, very clearly, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So in the same way that soil can't change its own nature, only the divine sower, our Father God, can change a heart that is hardened or shallow or strangled in this world. God's plan of redemption, thankfully, is not our strength, is not our abilities. God's plan of redemption is through his son, Jesus Christ only through his son, Jesus. We see in Ezekiel 36 here, a passage we've looked at recently that 
Only the power of God can remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and then put his spirit within you. God can break down our solid rock of self-reliance in our lives. He can pierce through the ignorance that is really fueled by our own pride. He can remove the thorns of sin that we deal with in this world because he loves us, he cares for us. He wants to care for us in our struggles, but I pray that we have ears to hear him and that we have an open heart to his truth. I mentioned my, my North Carolina family at the beginning, and I, I had a great granddaddy that had a large tobacco farm, as they used to say, tobacco, I think. Um, I don't say tobacco, but um, I thought about the rhythm of life in, in that work, and he would constantly have to be working the soil, constantly. The soil in, in North Carolina is real acidic, so constantly treating the soil and plowing and removing rocks and even burning away bad elements. Always working to restore the soil for another crop. And I, I thought about that in relation to this parable in our lives with the Lord. And sometimes we can turn the soil just a little bit in someone's life. We can just till a little bit, do a little bit of stepping into their life, or we can, we can do the same thing in our own lives and see a, a ton of growth, a ton of spiritual fruit. And there's times where we're constantly investing in the lives of others. We don't see maybe the rock bed below the surface or the, the spiritual entanglement of the sin in their lives that's strangling out God's truth in their life. And many times we want to understand why there's no fruit in their lives, but it's really not our place. It's not about us. Praise God, it's not about us. It's about our sovereign God who in his sovereignty can change the most hardened of hearts. And he is the only one that can ensure sincerity and genuine heart change that we've spoken about here. God is inviting us to open our hearts and be faithful hearers and to be faithful sowers of his word. He softens our heart to receive his word, no matter how good or bad we are a scattering seed, we are called to be faithful. Because the hope and the prayer and the truth is that God prepares the soil, that he plants the seeds of his truth. He uses it, nourishes it, protects it, all in accordance with his will for eternal harvest. And I, I just, I want to praise God today for his plan of redemption through his son, Jesus. And praise God that in all of our struggles and our continued sin on this side of glory and all of those things, our struggle with the sins that can entangle us at times and all those things, praise God that we get to be a part of his plan of redemption. Praise God. So let me, let me pray for us. God, thank you for your truth today. And God, thank you for your word always. God, I, I just pray that um, we can have hearts that are open. I pray, God, that um, we can have ears to hear your truth, even amidst the most difficult situations. And I, I pray, God, that we can have hearts to love as you love. And God, that you would give us our thought, your thoughts as much as we can understand, even a glimpse of you, God. I pray, God, that we would become more like your son, Jesus, that we would help others in their struggles. And God, I, I pray that we would respond well to those who confront us gently and in love about the struggles in our lives. This is all the work of your spirit, Lord. Thank you, God, for your son, Jesus, for your plan of redemption, God. 
And thank you for your truth. God, we are so thankful. Amen.